Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Well, we had that series of questions just a few moments ago from uh, from Belfort in Margate about the IMF. And that took us to a conversation around how countries borrow money and bonds. And I've never really understood bonds properly. But someone who's a lot more educated than I am in all of this and really understands it well and he's agreed to talk to us at short notice is Kevin Lings, the Chief Economist at Stand Up. Kevin, good morning and thanks for answering our phone call this morning. Hi, good morning, Stephen. No problem. Okay, firstly, what do you get from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund? Why would you go and borrow money there? Why have we gone to borrow money there? Stephen, generally it's because you're in trouble. Um, Under current circumstances... Most people wouldn't go to the IMF out of just normal business conditions. There's no reason to do that. If you can get money and raise money in your own country, if you can raise money internationally um, from investors, then you wouldn't go to the IMF. So the only reason you go to the IMF is you've got yourself into financial difficulty. And because you're in financial difficulty, you find that other investors, local investors, international investors, either don't want to give you money, or if they do give you money, they want to charge you an exorbitant interest rate in order to effectively give you that money. So in order to either get the money or avoid a very high cost of money, you go to the IMF. And the IMF is set up to do exactly that. When it was formed, that became a key part of their mandate. And so they they will grant you uh, the, the facility under most con- most uh, situations. The problem, of course, is that they apply a whole lot of conditions to that facility. They're going to want you to do things in order to improve your economic environment, in order to get yourself out of the crisis. And unfortunately, many countries that are in crisis <laughs> don't want the medicine, don't want to make the necessary changes. A very good example in, in history has been um, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe desperately needed funds. Nobody wanted to give Zimbabwe funds. They went to the IMF. The IMF said to them, well, we'll give you the money, but you've got to effect these changes. And, and Zimbabwe said, well, we don't want to do those changes. And the IMF said, okay, well, then we're not going to give you the money. So, so generally, as a general thing, you go to the IMF because you're in trouble and you can't raise money elsewhere. Okay, so you're in trouble, you're going to borrow money from your dad because your dad has more money than you do, and he's going to lend it to you at a nice interest rate, but he's going to make sure you get up early every morning and go to work. That's exactly it. Okay, so then do rich countries ever go to the IMF? And I think the UK had to go to the IMF a few times in its history. That's right. So so in, in, at the, you know, under current circumstances, generally no, because almost by definition, the rich country is rich and it doesn't it's reasonably successful it's operating well it doesn't get itself into crisis and therefore it can borrow in the normal course of events if you go back to 1976 yes the uk got themselves into a deep financial crisis so that was some time ago there was a labor government in charge inflation was over 20 i think it got to 25 percent in the uk therefore the cost of borrowing in the uk just became exorbitant and the labor party or the labor government was forced to go to the imf to borrow money in order to stabilize their their economy and ultimately that led to thatcher taking over margaret thatcher uh, later that decade so so 
and and it wasn't that long ago Greece went to the IMF. Uh, Greece got themselves into deep financial difficulties, and they required both IMF and EU funding in order to stabilize their economies. And I think at the time, both of those facilities, the UK at the time certainly was the biggest IMF facility ever granted. And then I think when Greece came along, I think they then became the biggest ever granted. So so it does happen. It's rare. Um, and uh, invariably, it ends up being smaller emerging markets, developing countries that get into difficulty that need the IMF facilities. If we borrow money from the IMF and we do it because they give us a low rate of interest, and I think they did that during the pandemic as well, does anyone else benefit? And so, in other words, if we as a country borrow money from the IMF and we have to pay it back with interest, does that interest go to the United States or the people who own the IMF? So the IMF is funded by the members, uh, and we are a member, so we fund, we, are, we fund and we are, we are fully paid up member. Um, obviously, the membership fee, if you like, depends effectively on the size of your economy. So, so the US is a massive funder of the IMF, simply because they can afford to be. And, and um, the big economies obviously contribute the most. Now, when the IMF grants a facility, they grant that facility out of the membership fees, if you like. So the, the IMF has got a pool of money that it's gathered from the members, and then a country gets into trouble and they advance that pool of money to that country. That country then repays that facility with some interest. All of that goes back to the IMF. Don't, there's no, don't think of it as profit. There's no, uh, the IMF is not set up as a profit maximizing institution like a bank. Um, and any income they earn, that would go into contributing to the pool of funds. Unfortunately, IMF themselves uh, find themselves running out of money on, on a fairly regular basis. And then they, they themselves need to be topped up. And invariably, the United States provides a significant portion of that top up. So this is, you know, if you're thinking about it in business terms, this is a is a terrible business if you're the United States. Mm. This is not beneficial. You're constantly paying money, a lot of money. Some people would then argue that that gives you influence, that you can control the IMF and that you can influence what the IMF does. I think historically, yes, but, but nowadays that membership is very broad. The board is, is broad. China plays now an increasing role and contributes to the IMF. So that's, that's less of a factor. The United States does this to stabilize the world economy, which is ultimately very helpful for their economy. Okay. Then if we go back a little bit before the IMF, there are also bonds and a country will issue a bond. What is a bond? A bond is effectively an IOU from the government. The government says to investors, I'm going to give you a piece of paper. We're going to call this a, a bond or an IOU. And I'm going to give you this piece of paper as a promise. And you, in return, are going to give me money. Now, that piece of paper says that in time, uh, let's say 10 year, I'm going to issue a 10 year bond. In 10 years' time, you give me this money today, in 10 years' time, I'm going to give you back the money. In the meantime, over that 10-year time period, I'm going to pay you interest, and we're going to decide on that interest right up front. 
You then, as the investor, decide, do you want that deal? It's up to you. You don't have to invest in it. So you are then relying very heavily on the word of the government, the promise of the government. Now, most major governments issue bonds, and fortunately, most major governments don't default on these bonds. And so over time, investors rely on this heavily, very heavily. And in South Africa, the South African government bond has enough, the South African government has enough credibility that they can issue these bonds every week. They issue a huge amount of these bonds and investors buy these pieces of paper on the promise that in five years, eight years, whatever time period, sometimes 30 years, that you're going to get your money back and in the interim you'll get interest. And that system works incredibly well until the country that, that's issuing these bonds can no longer honor that debt. And at that point, you've got a debt default. And that, as you can imagine, causes chaos in that particular country. That happened in Argentina, didn't it? A couple of times. Yeah, it's happened. It's happened actually many times in a range of countries. And ultimately, it can it can be so catastrophic that it can end to it can it can push a country into failure. So you become a failed state as a consequence. And then what's a yield on a bond? The yield is not the interest rate, right? The yield, think of the yield as the return that you get in on that bond. So what is your, as an investor, what is, if you invest in that bond today and you hold that bond for the rest of its duration, what return are you going to get on a yearly basis? So let's say that you see in the newspaper that the yield on the 10-year government bond is 10% or 10.2%. And you decide, okay, I'm going to invest in that bond. If you simply buy that bond, hold that bond for for its its remaining duration until it matures and gets repaid, you are effectively going to get a return of of 10.2%. Now, there are many investors who do exactly that. They buy the bond, they get in a return, they hold it for the rest of that duration. Of course. These bonds are desirable, and so people can trade them just like a share. Share prices go up and down. Bond, the price of the bond goes up and down in exactly the same way. And there's a bond uh, market, and you can take this piece of paper, this promise from the government, and you can sell it. And you can buy from other people, and you can trade it. And the bond market ends up being a massive market that is traded all day long. And what you're getting out of that is a change in the price. But once you change the price of the bond, you are effectively changing the return the investor can get. And that's called the yield. Thank you very much indeed, Kevin. I really do appreciate the time. Kevin Lings, Chief Economist at Stanlib. All right. I think, Bill I think we've now got a better understanding.